This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Brian and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, November 19th, 2016, episode 75, The Arrival of Fantastic Beasts at Hexa Ridge. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Um, what else do I normally say at the top of the show? I've been so busy today, I forget. Is there anything else I, I usually say at this point? You ask how our respective weeks have been. But is there anything before that that I've forgotten? No. Okay. So the chat can correct us. And... <laughs> how has your week been, man? Oh, it, it's been busy. It's been busy. Um, finalizing details on my third Soul Cycle book, The Secret Kings, which, uh, thanks to all the effort I and uh, others have been putting in, will be out for Christmas release. So looking forward to that. Then uh, just getting some things in order around the house here. Well, that doesn't sound too exciting. Uh, but oh, also, uh, I, I had the occasion to play a, a retro video game from the uh, SNES era called in the U.S. Uh, Cybernator, I believe, in Japan. It was originally called, like, uh, Assault suit Layton or something. That might have been the, the predecessor, but uh, it's basically Zaku the video game if you're a Gundam fan, and I, I'm i loving it. It is hard as heck. It's one of those Japanese games with limited continues, and you gotta make it all the way through like three, four hours of play with zero mistakes, but uh, I'm loving it. Well, my week has been unusually busy because um I managed to get, go out and see a couple of movies on Monday. I saw The Arrival and Hacksaw Ridge. And then yesterday, due to a disaster, I dropped my phone and the face shattered. So I had to run down to, uh, to the nearby service store to see how much it would be to replace it because my warranty expired eight days ago. Oh, of course. Yes. So... I had to run down to the store to uh, to see how much it was going to be, 150 bucks. So uh, I decided to take that $150 and put it as a down payment towards a new phone. So I have to use this broken, shattered one for the next month till my new phone gets here. Um, but there's a theater right by the Apple store, like within, you know, within a, a two-minute walking distance of the Apple store. So I decided, you know what I want to do? I, uh, I want to see Doctor Strange again, and I also, uh, I'll go see what other movies they have there. Maybe I'll do another doubleheader. So I walked into the theater and bought tickets to Doctor Strange and bought tickets to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the new Harry Potter movie. And a good friend of mine, about the only friend of mine who hasn't moved out of the state, was actually there at the theater going to go see Doctor Strange. Hmm. Just out of the blue, randomly woke up that morning and said, I, my life is stressed. I want to go see Dr. Strange. So I met up with my friend at the theater and uh, we went and saw Dr. Strange together, had lunch, and then I went back and saw Fantastic Beasts. So since we've already done a Dr. Strange review, we're not going to cover that one again. You can just go watch, go listen to the previous show. It, it, it was great. Uh, but we are going to talk about the other three movies I saw, which again are The Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, and Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. And what is great about this show, which apparently I have been told our audience loves, um, is that Brian hasn't seen any of the movies. 
he didn't know that these were the movies we were going to do on the show. Um, but uh, he hasn't seen any of them, so I get to do my reviews, and, and he gets to opine on whatever it is I'm saying. John, our other co-host, is in Austin, Texas this week. That's why he's not on the show. Um, I think he's doing a wedding. Did he say wedding? I, I seem to recall mentioning a wedding, yes. Okay, so he's he's out of town, so he won't be joining us today. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I will say this. This is the best thing about the week, is I spent a lot of money on movies, and I have to say, I am not angry that my money was completely wasted. So if you want to take that as a recommendation from from me for these three movies, I am not angry about having wasted either my money or my time having seen these movies. Um, which one do you want to do first? See, how about Arrival? Arrival, okay. Arrival stars the new Lois Lane and also Hawkeye from uh, the DCEU and the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as scientists who are called in to decipher the language of aliens who have abruptly arrived on planet Earth. And so, if I could describe this story, it's like a 1970s science fiction short story written for Analog or Asimov's that is uh, uh, that they made into a movie. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if this is based on a story or if it was original. But basically... Yes, yes it's based on uh, the story of your life by Ted Chiang. You go in So, um, the concepts behind it are classic science fiction it reminds me of several different science fiction stories i've read before um not that it ripped them off it's just in that same genre of of a high concept science fiction um story and then the um it's not an action movie it is very much a character piece um the personality and character and and events surrounding the main character who's amy adams lois lane um are very much at the forefront of the movie and as you go through it um you eventually learn what the science fictional big idea is and i can't even talk about the big idea because revealing what the movie is really about the science fictional concept behind in addition to just aliens showing up on earth in addition to that, there's a big science fictional concept that the movie has at its core that I can't even talk about because the reveal of that is the big plot twist at the end. And so I can't even get into the discussing what the science fictional ideas are without spoiling the movie. Um, I, I don't want to say this is a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's not an action movie. It's a very well done movie. It's a very well acted movie. The writing is great. The characters are interesting. Uh, the aliens are interesting. And how they go through the movie, the story keeps on moving. There's no dead parts. I wasn't bored watching it. And so it's a very enjoyable 
movie. This style of science fiction, though, just isn't really my cup of tea anymore. I have moved on from big, dramatic, thinky science fiction movies because most of them aren't. Most of them don't have the moral or intellectual weight to really make it worth your time to watch the the entire movie, especially modern movies. And I, and I'm I am uh, I'm not talking about the arrival. I am criticizing other movies. Um, most of them are so pretentious, and most of them are so steeped in moral relativism and other really unfortunate moral and, and intellectual movements that are just not worth it because you're watching this deep dramatic movie that's supposed to have something insightful and interesting about the human condition or human nature or morality or whatever. And the people who are writing these movies and stories and books do not themselves have enough moral clarity or understanding to provide the insight that would undergird this dramatic, this level of drama. And so the whole movement of literary science fiction um, is pretty much a waste of space. Movies based on literary science fiction are pretty much a waste of time. This movie, while it does not have a, well, it lacks what I would consider to be deep and true insights into human nature is nevertheless neither shallow. Uh, it is not shallow. I want to be very clear about it. It is not shallow. It is interesting. It holds my attention, and it's worth spending two hours on. So even though it leans a little bit towards the literary end of the science fiction spectrum, it isn't, um, it isn't either pretentious or at least if it is pretentious, it's a very, very mild pretension in that they want to make drama and not an action movie. It is not, you know, Will Smith's robot movie. The, the action movie based on the Isaac Asimov, our Daniel Olivar novel, uh, I, Robot. It is not an action movie. And so if, if you consider just making a mildly literary movie pretentious, fine, you can call it that. I don't really think it was pretentious because it isn't either condescending nor is it lecturing to the audience, uh, which is a great, uh, a great change and very, very much out of character for much of literary style science fiction. So if you want, if you're interested in, an, in, in a uh, dramatic piece, that ultimately the science fictional elements are kind of secondary to the character, to Amy Adams' character. If you're interested in that, Arrival is very, very well done. Uh, and I, and I, I'm aware. Everybody else is saying, oh, Arrival is so completely, totally awesome. You just have to go see it. I'm aware that I'm not at that level of effusive congratulations about the movie mainly because I have moved on to wanting movies that are more fast-paced, more action-oriented, as long as they are not also completely stupid, um, which unfortunately, iRobot and Lucy is another example of a pretentious pseudo-literary 
uh, movie that was wedded to a bunch of action. Um, those are the kind of movies that I like as long as they're well done and have enough character development and insight to make them worthwhile. And most of them don't, which is why I don't tend to like the genre, which is why I wouldn't necessarily usually like The Arrival, except The Arrival doesn't fall into those same traps. Right. Um, and, and a point pursuant to that is that Ted Chiang wrote Hell is the Absence of God, which appears in the same anthology as the story of your life The Arrival is based on. And yeah, boy, talk about being tone deaf to the human condition. It's a story that John C. Wright described as having written, been written by someone who has never met an actual Christian in real life. Fortunately, this movie isn't about religion, so I guess he kind of avoided that trap. Right. No, Chang is an awesome sci-fi author. I don't want to give the impression that I'm, I'm just ragging on his skills, but yeah, I mean, he's coming from that very stereotypical, very, very provincial, just very boring, reductivist, materialistic worldview. So, yeah, a straight sci-fi story is probably the right milieu for him. So I'm, I'm still interested in seeing the movie. i got to get out there and see it. And again, like I said, I did not feel like I wasted either my time or my money. And there's a lot of movies that I feel like I wasted my money or that I see later after they're out of the theaters I, that I think, wow, that would have been a waste of money to see. I'm glad I didn't go see that. I did not feel that way about Arrival. So I am giving it a, you know, I'm saying I'm giving it a recommendation. I'm saying it's a good movie. I'm just not as effusive about it as other people uh, I've seen in our hoods. It's a must-see movie. I don't know that I would call it a must-see movie in the theaters, uh, but it's certainly a good movie, a very enjoyable movie. So, Sounds fair. Um, let's let's do Hacksaw Ridge next because that's a that is also a drama, um, and man, uh, here's the thing about Hacksaw Ridge. It's done by Mel Gibson, who's an impeccable director. Everything he's ever directed has been absolutely incredible. He's just done a brilliant job at it. And it is exactly the movie you think it is. If you've seen the trailers, if you know that it's a Mel Gibson movie, it is exactly the movie that you would think it is based on the other movies Mel Gibson's done. And it is an incredibly well-done movie. It is not an entertaining movie. It is not a movie written for um, straight enjoyment. It's also a dramatic character piece. It's a lot, it has a lot more depth than Arrival does. And uh, a lot of it is very, very wrenching. And of course, being a Mel Gibson movie, the combat scenes are very, very, very violent. And we're talking Saving Private Ryan beach scene levels of intensity that goes on for about half the movie so if that level of violence puts you off if you don't like it you're not going to like hacksaw ridge but it is it's just a just a great movie a very well done movie and i'm going to give away some of it because if you've seen the if you've seen the previews you know what it's about it's about private dos who is a conscientious objector he will not kill people he won't even touch a gun and when World War II breaks out, he joins the military and has some conflict 
in the first half of the movie because conscientious objectors don't join the military. They don't go into the army and put on uniforms. That's what it's there for, because you're objecting to war. But Das was unique in that he was a conscientious objector who would not fire a gun, would not pick up a weapon, but who wanted nevertheless to serve because he felt like he had to serve uh, in this fight for democracy in World War II. And so there's a lot of conflict. And the entire first part of the movie is not just about him fighting the military to get permission to go into battle unarmed, but also him fighting to hold on to his convictions in the face of everyone saying, you have two choices, which is to pick up a gun, to go home, uh, or go to Leavenworth. So three choices. And he didn't want to do any of those things. He wanted to go and serve in battle just without killing people. And, you know, spoiler alert, eventually he does go into battle, and it is... It's about a person with a very deep, very real sense of morality and religion. He believes in God. He believes in God very, very deeply. And that is what lies behind his conviction that he, has, that he can't uh, pull a gun on someone or, or shoot someone. Um, and so the movie is about him and his relationship with God and his relationship with the army and how those come into conflict and how this person who has a set of moral convictions is nevertheless faced with massive pressure to compromise his conviction or go to jail or be humiliated. And his refusal to give up his convictions in the face of all of this pressure that's being brought on him is uh, it's very well done. It's very interesting. It's very inspiring. And it's exactly the movie you think it is. Well acted, well directed, very, very violent. But it is worth seeing at least once. It's not an entertaining movie. It's not a movie that is meant to be lighthearted. But it is... Uh, a, most dramas just aren't worth it. Like I said before, Hacksaw Ridge definitely is. And I would say in terms of moral clarity, moral heft, moral heft, and the quality of ideas that go into a movie, Hacksaw Ridge is far, far more insightful, far, far more... Um, it bears thematic weight of drama and war far, far better than Saving Private Ryan does. Interesting. So... In terms of moral weight, would you say that Hexar Ridge is the polar opposite of Arrival, which doesn't even really touch on that? Um, I, I don't know that it's the polar opposite, but it definitely succeeds on that level, whereas Arrival doesn't quite for me. Um, it's not that Arrival has bad ideas or is pushing a bad moral uh, universe. It's that it doesn't quite succeed in reaching that level of depth of, of morality. Hacksaw Ridge deals with more fundamental issues and does so very successfully, I think. So. I was talking to another of our listeners about Hacksaw Ridge just last night, and um, he sees it as a hopeful sign 
for for Hollywood that uh, Mel Gibson is apparently back. He's back in the film industry's good graces and can direct again after what a decade absence since Apocalypto. And yeah. um, we we're, we're going to need it because I think really the film industry is in trouble. I mean, it's it is in serious trouble, especially the American film industry. Uh, it's almost as if uh, that Hollywood has uh, adopted a an Americans don't have to be your audience mentality, which always goes over so well. And they're um, stuck in this uh, infinite blockbuster chasing feedback loop. The what is good about Hacksaw Ridge is that, um, and I don't know if this is planned on Mel Gibson's part. It's kind of a head fake movie to where um, people who are left-wing can really appreciate it because it's about a pacifist, and that is ostensibly, you know, ever since Vietnam, pacifism and conscientious objections are supposedly a big part of the left-wing moral code, which is why they can unabashedly love the movie because it's about a pacifist. Um, instead of being about warriors. Um, but it's not done in a postmodern way. It's not done as a slight against the army. It's not done as a slight against courage. People in the army are not presented as mindless warmongers, which is where a lot of other quote-unquote anti-war movies uh, present the military. And so that's where I think it's a... It's kind of a head fake, uh, and I don't mean it's intentional, but because it seems to be about a pacifist and it seems to be anti-war, a lot of people who might otherwise reject a movie like this can accept it, and I think that, that really has helped Mel Gibson's uh, coming back into the mainstream of Hollywood. Uh, the movie, when it debuted, was very, very well received by by uh, the Hollywood community, actors, directors, whatnot. And, and I think that the reason why is it seems to be an anti-war movie, even though it's not. So... Yeah. standing ovation of this premiere. Yeah. So I, and I, I really like Mel Gibson. I felt really bad for him that a couple of bad mistakes, um, a couple of horrible mistakes destroyed his private life, but also tarnished his reputation and career in Hollywood. And I really sincerely hope this is, uh, and I wrote about this on the, on my blog um, about this movie is I, I sincerely hope this marks his return to the mainstream of Hollywood to where he can begin as an actor and as a director doing better uh, doing, you know, the kind of movies that he is capable of pulling off uh, because I think he's, uh, I think he is very, very insanely talented as a director and as an actor. And I would like to see him, uh, I would like to see him be given a second chance at his career. Um, and so I'm really hoping this is, uh, I'm really hoping that this is, is what happens because of this is that he is able to return to the mainstream of Hollywood. So, yeah, we need him. All right. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. This movie is absolutely entertaining for kids. They will love it. 
especially if they love the Harry Potter movies. Um, there is, in the Harry Potter universe, a textbook called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's written by a gentleman called Newt Scamander, and over a decade ago, um, a version of this was made for a charity that you could buy as a paperback in the stores, and I think it's available now um, in ebook format with illustrations and, and such. And so the movie is about Newt Scamander, the author of this textbook, who comes to New York in the 1920s. So this is about the past of the Harry Potter universe, 80 years ago in the Harry Potter universe, and in America instead of Great Britain. He comes to America with this case that's filled with magical creatures, and many of whom escape, and he has to go and try and collect these creatures before the law, the magical law, comes down on him for threatening to expose the wizarding world to what you, know, you would call muggles in the Harry Potter world, what they call nomadges here, nomadic people. So, yes, it's interesting. Yes, the people in it did a great job. They have uh, Eddie Redmayne is the main actor, and Brie Larson plays his sort of romantic interest. Both of them did a great job. The other primary actors uh, also did a great job. It is entertaining movie. Visually is done in, impeccably with a great deal of flair. Um, wasn't entirely satisfying for me. Not because it was poorly done, but because, again, it's kind of a similar problem. The movie is sort of drawing parallels between how the wizarding world deals with non-magical people and the parallels of um, miscegenation laws. Like, if you're a wizard, you're not allowed to marry a no-match. That's forbidden by law. And the punishment isn't... Uh, I don't remember the, the exactly what the punishment is is laid out in the movie, but a lot of the things that are... If you threaten to expose the wizarding world are, are death. And so they might actually execute you for it. I, I can't remember if they talked about that specifically in the movie. And it is obviously, you know kind of a clumsy parallel to laws about segregation in the 1920s in America, laws about uh, black and white people not able to marry each other and things like that. And I'm not saying the movie is super heavy-handed or preachy about it. They're not, they don't hammer that into your face every single moment of the movie, but that did kind of feel a little bit forced. It didn't really make sense where that was coming from other than to set up uh, some of the tension in the movie between a wizard and a, and a non-magical person who start having a, a romance. Um, there just isn't a lot of substance to the movie, despite these elements of political commentary or mild political commentary. There isn't a lot of substance to the movie, and I think... Uh, 
Brian, when you're talking about magical systems and creating the rules for them and knowing what the limitations are, I think this movie would drive you nuts on that level because I don't think they even pretend to try. Harry Potter in, in general, there, there are two very popular magic systems that seem to break the rule that you need to have this standard Sonian, exquisitely elegant layout internal consistency for magic systems and that's the force in Star Wars and magic in Harry Potter yeah they just roll the with him, folks um uh, so so it's not a bad movie it's an enjoyable movie but it's really um It's really shallow, very, very pretty, fairly shallow, and a lot of what happens in it doesn't really make sense. It just kind of happens because that's what's necessary to move the, to move the plot along, to move the movie along. So I did enjoy it. I didn't feel like I had wasted my time. It's worth seeing if you like the Harry Potter movies, but it was not as successful in pulling off its uh, thematic weight again, that kind of moral co core that undergirds the adventure, it wasn't as successful at it as even Arrival, and it definitely wasn't successful as, as Hacksaw Ridge. So, I uh, I enjoyed it. Kids will love it because they don't necessarily require that. But it, it is a, it is shallow-ish. It's not completely shallow, but it's shallow-ish. Um, so the special effects are awesome. The magical creatures are interesting, um, and they they play the major role in the book in the in the movie. Um, there is there's going to be a total of five of these, so this is the first of five. And they do introduce the overarching villain, or who appears to be the overarching villain for the series. It's a dark mage named Grindelwald. His, his belief system, his ideology that he's pursuing, him and his um, rabid fanatics are trying to expose the wizarding world to the mundane world for whatever reason. That doesn't, it isn't quite gone into in depth. Um, although he does get a good monologue in about that. But Grindelwald is um, the Dark Wizard who is going to be the villain for the whole series, and they do start to set him up, even though this is an entirely self-contained story. This is not the first half of a trilogy, or the first part of a trilogy, or the first part of a, a quintilogy. So it is not a waste of time. It's an entirely self-contained movie. You can start it, watch it, and get through it. There's an entire story there, uh, much like the Harry Potter books. And it has to be set. This was written as a movie. It is not a condensed or abridged book. And so it is not as choppy as some of the Harry Potter movies have been because it, they wrote exactly the script they needed to write and so there's plenty of time for them to explore the story they wanted to do, to do the story they wanted to do. Um, I just, I wish they had, I wish the story they were wanting to tell was a little bit more worthwhile than it is. So, 
Um, Brian is, uh, I apologize for the, the sound here. There's just been some technical problems uh, on the internet all day. So um, do you have any last questions or comments? Yes, as I mentioned earlier, I was doing some finishing touches on my book, Soul Cycle Book 3, The Secret Kings, which, uh, thanks to the hard work of a lot of people, is on track for Christmas release. So keep your eye out for that. Anyone uh, subscribe to my newsletter, we'll uh, give an early heads up on that. And of course, my two previous books, Ethereal and Soul Dancer, as well as the 2016 Dragon Order Best War novel. Are available now, and I'm sure they will feature them in the links below. Um, so, in, in conclusion, folks, uh, three movies were all well done. None of them are obviously uh, inferior, either cinematically, in terms of performances, whatever. And um, and they weren't a waste of money or a waste of time. If you want to see them, if if the genre they're in interests you, then go see them because they. You, they'll be worth it. You'll get a great example of, of that type of movie. Um, all right, we are out of time. We talked about all the movies we were going to talk about today, and by golly, uh, that we have to go. So uh, this is the Geek Gab Podcast. You can catch us on YouTube slash Geek Gab. That is YouTube slash Geek Gab. Or you can subscribe to us on the iTunes store. Just do a search for Geek Gab. You can download us or listen on SoundCloud. Again, under GigGab. And we are also available on the Google Play Store. Um, we're here very, you know, typically once a week. Hasn't been that often for the last couple of weeks because of various problems that have unexpectedly popped up. We are still in discussions about whether to do a show next week because it is Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, if we do, I'll try to announce that as soon as possible so you can tune in. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. Um, links to Brian's books and his website are in the description below the video or in the Get Info box if you're listening on iTunes or something else. We are signing off for today, but don't worry. We will be back.